everybody and welcome to the Jerk Show. I, as always, am Javad Malik, your host. And, um, you know, I, I'd like to say thank you. You could have been anywhere today. You could have been living in blissful ignorance, but you chose to come here, become educated, become aware, become more enlightened as to the state of security. So, welcome. Welcome to the Jerick Show. Featuring your hosts, Javad Malik and Eric Krohn. Timely topics, poorly presented. Hello, or should I say bonjour, because uh, yesterday, uh, for the day, just my, my son and I, we, we went to Paris, or Paris as you uh, illiterates call it. Uh, it. It was quite, quite a fun day. It was, um, you know, he saw the Eurostar one day and he was like, oh, that's a train that goes into Paris. Why don't you take me there? I've always wanted to see the Eiffel Tower. And I thought, well, you know, for Americans, like it's going from one state to another takes longer than it takes us from going from one country to another. So just to rub it in in people's faces, I, I took him there and it was a really good day. I mean, a bit disappointing because there were no riots taking place and uh, the weather was great and everyone was polite to us. But beyond that, I think it was a great day. And more than that, um, it really annoyed Eric uh, Crone. And, um, oh, speaking of Eric, how you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. Yeah, I am a little bit jealous of the fact that, you know, you're gallivanting around uh, uh, all these fun places. Uh, I spent today or, or yesterday in my living room, mostly working uh, or up in my office. So, yeah, that's oh, yeah. kind of unfair, my friend. Kind of unfair. Oh, my heart bleeds for you. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not that different from when you go to Vegas and you've got everything there. You've got the Venetian, so you feel like you're in Venice. You have <laughs> Paris, Paris with an Eiffel Tower oh. of their own. You have the London Eye. Come on. And you go totally to Totally the that's same experience. Like your, your second home. Yeah, yeah. So Speaking of Vegas, uh -huh. we're, it's time to start planning for Black Hat, right? It is. It, yeah, that's coming it, up in August. Mm -hmm. Now, now you and I were selected as an alternate uh, with one of the things we put in for B-Sides Las Vegas. And I was all excited because I've spoken at dozens, literally dozens of B-Sides and never at the big one. And never? then what, what? No, never. And then what did you throw at me this morning? You're like, oh, I've, I've done it a couple of times. Yeah, I have. And, yeah. I thought, I thought every good speaker has spoken at Vegas a couple of times apparently but, not apparently they missed me no no i have the opportunity they, apparently they, they have a good vetting process that's no, all i have I the opportunity say. and you're like no i think i'd rather stay in europe maybe go to germany or something you know you you go on your own pal i mean um, like you know if, if there's a choice between vegas or germany i know where i'd rather be but um vegas with me I know. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. No, um, it, it it is time though to start thinking about you know hacker summer camp. It's uh, yeah, it's Black yeah. Hat, it's B sides, it's DefCon, it's all that kind of stuff. And this year, I'm actually taking my youngest daughter, who's interested in cybersecurity. Why do you hate your kids so much? Is this <laughs> revenge for like university fees or something like that? Or... No, no, no. She's she's actually been to B sides, uh, um, Tampa and Orlando. Really enjoyed it. Um, I, I'm, I'm really hoping that, uh, she finds something that she's interested in that. And that's a beauty of it is you get to experience so many different facets of cyber, um, as opposed to, you know, maybe just sitting around seeing what's out and about. So, 
I'm actually really looking forward to this. And, uh, you know, even if you don't show up, James is going to be there. He's an adequate replacement. Uh, as long as well, he doesn't start throwing around the the dad jokes again. Uh, he, he, it's a replacement uh, adequate. Well, I, I don't know about that, but okay. If you insist. <laughs> But I haven't been in Vegas for a few years. I mean, COVID and everything, uh, you know, through a spanner, everyone's worse. But even previously, when I went, I, I it, if you're going like, uh, and I say this because you mentioned your daughter's going to go, and uh, for, for people that maybe aren't being sponsored by their, their work to go, I think if you can go and get uh, B-sides Vegas and then do DEF CON after that, I think that makes a really good, you can actually skip Black Hat altogether and you can still experience a ton of goodness. Um, out I, that, that, that. I would agree with you there. The only the, the reason I'm doing Black Hat again is because I'm working. Actually, I'll be I'll be booth babing for, you know, a couple of times. So we get a free pass and, and that's OK. Honestly, I think Black Hat is is more about when I get to see a lot of people I haven't seen before, because frankly, I know DEF CON for me is basically go one place to another to another to another. We're moving pretty fast. So um, I don't always have time to see everybody I want to, you know, but it, it's, it is a great experience. I think if, if you haven't been there, I mean, then, you know, it, Black Hat is, is interesting. There are some good talks. It's got a good expo floor. Assuming this year they roll out the carpet. <laughs> the yes. Past couple years, they haven't even done carpet runners between the booths. It's been like, a sea of cement with a little pod with carpet. I mean, it, it's really not looked good. So I'm hoping this year it's going to be better. Hoping. Okay. Speaking of people who want this year to be better, ah, there's a bunch uh, of people on uh, a dark web raid forum <laughs> who are members <laughs> who've had their data exposed. Um, so nearly half a million. That's half a million. There are a lot of dodgy accounts out there. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. exposed after a key database was published on another hacking site. So this is some criminal on criminal crime happening. And, uh, you know, they, they, they leak. But I'm really curious out those like, I mean, they say it's like 478,000 uh, user accounts. How many of them were like, uh, security researchers working for like threat intel vendors, feds, the feds. <laughs> or, or like just some test accounts or something. <laughs> I think once you whittle it down, I'm sure they can't be. I mean, I refuse to believe there's like half a million active um, criminals like yeah. searching for stuff on there. But uh, on a forum more. like that, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, we all know that security researchers fire up these accounts all over for doing monitoring and, and whatever. So yeah, you're probably right. When you boil it all down, it's probably like 72 real cyber criminals and the rest are all the rest are all some other account for some other reason. But it, it is kind of interesting. The, uh, you know, it brings back the idea of, like you said, the criminal on criminal crime here. Um, there is no, uh, there is no quarter given just because other people are cyber criminals out there. And we've seen that in ransomware attacks. Um, or, or where they've actually taken and, and like installed um, web uh, or uh, browser proxies that would replace like a Bitcoin wallet with their own. And the people have no idea it's going on. So they go to pay a ransom 
and instead they dump money in these other people's account. I mean, <clears throat> that's just awesome. And and they're basically doing it to each other. So um, it's not the first time we've seen this kind of thing happen. Uh, hopefully it's not the last because frankly, it's kind of entertaining. It is entertaining. <laughs> it is entertaining. Like, like seeing you like fall down some stairs for the 13th time. It just doesn't get old. Unlike you. But government publishes guidelines on cybersecurity. The government. And, 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 you know, this is great. It's like you go to a website and they assume that you know which country you're talking about. And, you know, it's government? funny. When I saw that, that was the first thing that went through my head is, which government? Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be American because we only think America is the only important thing yeah, out there, right? Yeah. So this is um, this is well, this is from an Irish website. Oh so. well, hey, yeah, because it is. It's the National Cybersecurity Center with an E, which makes it not American. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is just... Wow. So, so these journalists are really making you work to, to figure out. We've left some clues. You know? <laughs> Inspector Clouseau is here. Now we will. Uh... Find out. Uh, yeah, sorry, I've still got that French influence on me from yesterday. Oh, Lord have but, mercy. But yeah, it's like we have left some clues, and now you have to figure out which government are we talking about. Um, <laughs> I'm glad it is in America for once. Yeah, yeah. So it's the it's the UK government, and um, oh, they, okay. Uh, so, so why did i pick this story yeah mostly because pick... of the headline like that i thought it was kind of funny like which freaking wow. government is it that is actually why i i pictured that now it is interesting because i mean governments are definitely getting involved in this we're trying to legislate cyber crime away and and frankly you know it's kind of like when they come out and they're saying oh we're, we're going to make paying ransoms illegal yeah. And that kind of legislation, it's just, it's such a slippery slope when governments get involved in, in stuff like that. I don't it know. is, it is. I mean, I mean, you know, we've seen it so many times, like legislation just on its own just doesn't work. Yeah. And, you know. Well, this also, as, as you see in the top there, um, if you scroll down just a little bit, no, okay, wait, you moved it around on me, man. But they were basically saying at one point in here that they're talking about um, like procurement stuff, how they procure things. Um, I saw that somewhere in here. Yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, the purchase of, of goods and services. So that comes back to some supply chain stuff right there. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but I used to work for, uh, for the army. <laughs> and, <laughs> really? I know, you love, I know wow. you love it when I bring that up. Sure. <laughs> But there were certainly limitations on where we could buy certain things because of the the real risk of, hey, I saved $42 on this router um, and it was sent to me. And look at these cool chips that are soldered on the back or something, right? I mean, like, seriously, yeah. you just never know. And and so having a legitimate supply chain is kind of an important thing. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, okay, that... I'll give you somewhat of recovery on that story, but ladies and gentlemen, I apologize on behalf of uh, Eric Crone for wasting your time. And to all my French viewers out there, I apologize for my horrible French accent. It probably came across more as like Italian or something. I, I know, don't know. You know what but, you need to do is hang around French people more often. 
and maybe you'll pick it up better. Wow. That's that's yeah. my theory. Ne ne next week I'll, I'll be here like I, I I refuse to drink anything but Evian and <laughs> 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 Sorry, sorry. I moving on. Check your phone. Popular Android app reportedly started spying on users making recordings. Um so I love how you users... cue this up with half an ad. Like half the screen is an ad. That's well done. Yes, I know. I know. This this is like, you know, again you, you... <clears throat> <laughs> so iPhone users don't need to worry about it. A screen recording app available in Google Play that was installed over 50,000 times uh, functioned normally before it started, for months before it started spying and on users. And that's the trick. Yeah, it was up there. It was popular. It was useful. Everything was good. And so, you know, it gets past all the, the filters and reporting and stuff like that. So people are looking at it and they're going, oh, it's been downloaded 50,000 times. It's got to be good. And then they did an update. And that update is what turned on the nastiness. Exactly. It's it's like when you when you're initially dating someone and they seem normal and cool and everything and then like you you get sucked in and then you move in together or whatever and then suddenly they're French. <laughs> yeah, oh, I was going <laughs> to say. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I mean, the smell kind of like gives that away in the first <laughs> Oh, wow. Wow. No, wow. I, I'm just saying like, then all their like 32 <laughs> other personalities come to light and you're like, oh my God, I've only been dating one personality, but there's all these other bunch of crazy underneath there. And, <laughs> and this is what they're doing with software. So they're, they're, they're like download, letting you download it, making it look legit. And once the trust has been established, then they're free to do something and like then it becomes really hard to unpick it. Yeah. We see this happening actually like uh, sometimes it, it slips through the net on Amazon where they'll list a product. It's a yeah. legit product and it's cheap and cheerful and they'll build up a massive, uh, you know, a bunch reviews. of reviews, positive five stars, and then they'll change the product, but they won't mention that it's been changed. They'll make slow change. And sometimes a product you're looking at bears no resemblance to the actual reviews that are written. But because a lot of people will just go and buy it, yeah. they'll just look, oh, it's for four and a half stars and, you know, 10,000 positive reviews. I'll buy it. And then they'll get something that's substandard and quite pricey. Yeah, it's like a very expensive thing. And then when you actually read the reviews, it's like best shoelaces ever. Exactly. Right? <laughs> like, wait exactly. A Hold on a second. Yeah. And, and that's where you realize they've just slipped in the other product. But you know what? We we rely on things like in this case, a significant number of downloads and and a good rating on this thing to make us feel better. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where what else can you do, frankly, in the world that we live in these days where there's 10,000 apps that do the same thing in the store? What are you going to go on? You're going to go on. Oh, well, look, this has a lot of people that say it's great. It's been deployed X number of times. It's still on the Play Store or it's still in the, you know, the App Store for iPhone. It's apparently it's okay. As opposed to something that's got two downloads. It was <laughs> fired up yesterday and uh, it's got, you know, three fake, clearly fake reviews. You're not going to trust that. So no, unfortunately, no. something like this, yeah, we, we got to be careful with that. Do you Just think that's why no one's buying our book? Maybe that's what it is. Because we've got like two purchases verified and like three reviews. That are... Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, 
Yeah. <laughs> ah. This is a really interesting one. This headline really grabs you. So most CEOs now see cybersecurity as more important than economic performance. Uh, yeah, and the what they what they mean is the the uh, the economy outside yeah. of the business, not like your company's economic performance, but the the nation or the countries. Or, uh, so, the, and, and the, the the takeaway here is it's easier to deal with the recession than a ransomware attack. What are your thoughts on that, Mister Crane? My thoughts on this is uh, now it's kind of a small sample size, twenty five hundred CEOs. I don't know. It's not it's not tiny. Um, it's a reasonable size, but it's not like, you know, massive. But I really think it, that this probably tells us a little bit of a story about what they feel most comfortable with. I think the CEOs feel like they can handle a weakening economy. They can make the changes. They understand it. They don't understand cybersecurity. They don't, they don't feel comfortable in that space like they do in the business space. And that's something that's that's not new, even though leadership is having to become more and more involved in cyber. I mean, we see that in, in board briefings and stuff like that as well. Now, I did think some of the numbers that they threw around in here were actually kind of right about here is where we're at. Um, they're talking about, uh, you know, some of the, the poll stuff here, right? Um, and, and what they do. But I thought this was an interesting part. Almost four in five are confident in their complete and tested plans for threat protection and recoverability. 74% saying their firms can easily adapt to changing threats. I'm going to call BS on this. I mean, they may think that that's true, but ultimately, you know, what we see in the newspaper probably tells a little bit different story. When it all lands in their lap, they realize how ill-prepared they are to kind of deal with this. So honestly, when I saw this and I saw those numbers, that actually gave me a little bit of a, a thought that maybe there's some false, um, uh, some false confidence out there. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think it's, uh, it goes okay. back to the, um, the great philosopher, uh, Mike Tyson, Everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. Yeah, I think that that's what it is. A lot, a lot of times, people are. I have that false confidence. They think that they own their their infrastructure. I mean, they own their infrastructure and and data and everything. But whether they have complete control over it, whether they can adapt, or they are as agile as <laughs> their their, yeah. their architect leads them to believe, I think that's something that you only get clarity on when you get tested. And so. Yeah, I mean that that's that's a pretty high number to say they're confident. In their threat protection, I mean, that's, I don't know, to me, that that just sounds like they don't truly understand the risks. The thing is, we, we understand that things are going to happen. And I think these days, it's more about containing it when it happens and how quickly you respond and shut it all back down. Because um, malware is going to end up launched. Somebody's going to do it. it. It's just going to happen, right? It doesn't matter. Yeah how many controls you have in place. It's what happens once that happens. Do you shut it down very quickly? Does it actually get to spread anywhere? There's all those things that happen in these attacks. And I don't know that, that a lot of the executives understand just how complex this stuff can be too. There is that. But then there's also like, sometimes I, I see these surveys and what degree of honesty do people feel they have to portray in this? This is yeah. a bit like uh, sticking with Mike Tyson for, for a while. Prime Mike Tyson, whoever he went up against, 
in the pre-fight interviews, no one was going to say, oh, I'm only doing this for the money. Mike Tyson's going to knock me out in 30 seconds. They're going to be like, no, I'm confident. I've been training hard. I've been eating well. We've been going through the most. Their whole camp is there, you know, giving them a ego boost. And yeah. like, no one really believes they're going to beat him. And uh, <laughs> I think some of it is a bit like you have to play the game or put on the face just just to say, hey, yes, we, we are confident in our... Well, what was his name? Comical Ali? Uh, Chemical Ali? <laughs> During oh. the the Gulf War? And he was yeah, like giving yeah. those... There's press statements like, yeah, we, we we have complete control over it. And in the background, the airport's being overrun by. There by, are no uh, infidels in Iraq. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, yeah, the stuff going on behind. No, it's, yeah, I, I, I would kind of agree with that. I, I think you're right. You know, yeah. Cool. Enough said. Okay, last story of the day. And this is a good one. <clears throat> so Amazon Ring. And Alexa, accused of every nightmare IoT security fail you can imagine. I love the register. I just, I, I always have. Um, there, there used to be, I think it's probably still there, the bastard operator from hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, back in my IT days, I, I used to love that. I know. I'd look forward to it religiously every week and just like yep. hit refresh, refresh. Is it there? Is it there? Anyway, uh Amazon are being fined by the FTC $30.8 million. And most of it was about Ring. Now, Ring, the doorbells that most people have, or a a lot of people have. Mm -hmm. And what they found is that any employee within Ring or any engineer could basically look up anyone's video recordings. Uh, it's not encrypted internally, and there's no real audits done on who's looking at what. There was, uh, and so all the systems connected. So if you're working on their floodlight camera, you could access videos from any of their ring devices. And some of these creeps, uh, there was one employee viewed thousands of videos belonging to at least 81 unique female users and focused its searches on cameras with name indicating they surveyed an intimate space, such as master bedroom, master bathroom, or spy camera. Uh, he went, spent more than an hour a day on this revolting stuff, undetected by Ring. And then when a female co-worker complained, her, um, uh, her, her her supervisor shot down the incident saying it's normal for an engineer to view so many accounts you know so only afterwards until like you know they noticed that the male employee was only viewing videos of pretty girls did it, they escalate this is and you know this is like a really really big problem um, and I feel really really bad for females out there in, in particular because they, they, they're the ones that face a lot of harassment like just yeah. for being a female walking down the street suddenly you, you're being harassed you're being catcalled you're being physically attacked so you have to take lots of measures um a lot of them can't trust the police because police have been known to abuse their 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 powers uh when when you know they, they've been investigating something and so you you then look at something like this where females are like saying Okay, let's put some trust in technology. Amazon's yeah. a big company; it's everything, and this can help protect me, so that when someone comes to the door, I can see who they are and I can interact with them without opening the door to them. Or, okay, I, I want to stop you real quick there, though, Go because 
they're called master bedroom, master bathroom, or spy cam. Okay. So, okay. Okay. So, uh, so who hasn't given their Wi Fi a funny name like FBI surveillance van? Yeah. My name, my neighbor has one of those actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's common. Exactly. And yeah, yeah. okay. Master bedroom. I mean, who puts a camera in their bathroom? But people have their reasons. Maybe they're looking after an elderly parent who, who is prone to falling or something. I don't know. Yes, I don't know. And I don't think it's, I think, while it's funny and we, we do a lot of funny, I don't think it's appropriate to judge people as to where they put cameras in the privacy of their own home. And they should have that expectation of privacy. Yeah, no, right? I, I agree a hundred percent with that. Yeah. It, it's so, just one of those things that, that honestly, like you said, we do have to kind of think about just because we can <laughs> doesn't mean we should. Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, people exactly. get a little carried away with these $20 cameras all over the place. And yeah. uh, we, we do have to respect other people's privacy and stuff as well within the home. So that's, that, that's yeah. right. And, and so I think, and you know, going through, if, if you're a, an IT admin and many IT admins have done this in their youth growing up and what have you, you're bored at work and, oh, you have access to everyone's shared folder on their or, or their personal folder on the shared drive. So, you know, people have been known to go through that. I, mail admins have been known to, like, you know, go through people's emails and everything and what have you. Yeah. But now this is like in the consumer space. There's no, you know, there's no reason for people to even consider that someone would be spying on them. Yeah. However, the real kicker to this is so nearly 31 million fined to Amazon is insignificant to Amazon. Absolutely. That's why I kind of laughed about that. That's like a, you know, a lunch party or something like that. It, it, it is. It is. It's a lunch party. But still we're told that the biggest threat to democracy is an IoT webcam you buy from AliExpress because it's built by China and the Chinese government have access to it all. And this is where I think the, <sighs> the real hypocrisy lies. Yeah. You know, uh, this isn't the first time for Amazon, though. Do you remember when they had that, what was it, the neighborhood feature? And I don't even know if they're still doing that, where, like, uh, devices would attach to their neighbor's Wi-Fi or, like, through other cameras and and end up on, you know, with information coming out of other Wi-Fi or, or other nearby stuff like that. That was, um, you know, that was kind of creepy and a little freaky when, when I saw that, too. And they, they were under a bit of fire for that as well and it, it comes back to oh it sounds great in an area that maybe your wi-fi doesn't reach that it can do kind of like zigbee where within a zigbee network where it repeats the yeah. difference is within a zigbee network you tell it yeah that's cool <laughs> not hey i'm just going to connect to this dude over here and you know seriously yeah exactly exactly it's it's just weird it's just i think th this is where you know we we've We've invited and allowed tech into our home to such a wide degree. And then we've put a lot of trust in organizations to do the right thing and protect. And maybe they've done the right. They, maybe they've been too naive in trusting their employees to, to make things go. But, you know, these are all basic, basic like uh, controls that have been around yeah. in security for, for years and years. I mean, you, you probably remember it from back in the day when you had hair that, you know, didn't recede all the way back like the French army, but you know, it's, um, it, it's fundamental you, stuff. You really chose violence today, didn't you? <laughs> you just really from the get go today, you've been, wow. Okay. 
<sighs> all right. No, that, yeah. Yeah. It, we see these stories all the time, though. How many times have we seen stories where an employee has gone in and looked at medical records? Mm. celebrities and you know what I mean? Like, like that's not an uncommon thing. So whenever you're dealing with this kind of data, you really need to have controls around it. We mentioned, yeah, it's a $31 million fine, but how much have they made selling these devices? So again, it comes back to, that's like relabeling a box for them or something as, as far as cost wise yeah. goes, you know, it, it it's so minimal. And the idea behind these fines is that they really be punitive. And that's where we've seen some pretty major stuff like what happened to even with Meta, though. I mean, the, the 1.3 billion for GDPR fines, that's a pretty significant number, although it's not going to cripple the organization. Um, it, it is something I think that's going to make people go, wow, we should maybe not get fined like that again. You know, really looks bad on the uh, the SEC report. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but this 31 million, dude, that's nothing. That's nothing. So you heard it, heard it here first, folks. Eric Crone in his ivory tower thinks 31 million is nothing. That, that's just a clip I want to take out of context and publish there. So Beautiful. Do, do you have a rebuttal? It doesn't matter if you have a rebuttal or not. So with that, um, how do you say goodbye in French? Um, it's not bonjour again. It's au revoir. We'll see you again next week.